We have arrived. Your samples phenomenal. Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking. Imagine since the time we were in middle school playing fantasy football, talking about Julio Jones as a sleeper. It's crazy. It's crazy talk. I mean, I sent that I sent that video. There's a Twitter video was going up, like just typical just Julio Jones highlight tape, and it just hits that much harder now that he's a sleeper and you know been just the such a colossal collapse the last couple of years from just maybe the top two greatest receiving decades of all time. I mean, he's got I mean, an air raid offense now yeah. with the greatest quarterback that he's ever had. And I know they got Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, but he's going to get his share of targets. That offense has proven that it can support at least three receivers. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, you could definitely see him slot into that AB role because they're both they're both uh, outside wideouts in that position. And just last year, looking at him, it was a complete disaster with the Titans. But that that was never like a system for Julio at all. They're having right. him like stock block and and stuff. It's like, dude, this guy's like six four and like a Hall of Famer. Why is why is he stock blocking? <laughs> especially especially when like they paired him with. I mean, that's an offense where it's Derrick Henry's offense and they got the perfect guy in A.J. Brown to be like that that wide out, that big physical wide out. Yeah, get the ball to who's literally just like a baby, you know, poor man's Julio. And then you pair him with the exact same player and there just isn't enough volume in that offense to, you know, sustain that. And I think that's that's a big part of sleeper versus non-sleeper or uh, where guys are going to go in their draft, how guys are going to perform all year is in that new place. So another guy I wanted to get into um, a couple guys, probably the two most um, elite fantasy receivers over the last couple of years, uh, Devonte Adams and Tyreek Hill, both strapping it up different colors this year. Um, away from two of the top five quarterbacks of all time um, and going into new offenses, who is going to have the better year, Devontae or Tyreek in there in Vegas and in Miami? That's tough. That's tough. But honestly, I'd probably go with Devontae Adams just because he's going to the better quarterback, especially passing wise, like, him and Derek Carr, they have that history from college. They got that connection probably. I think, I mean, Tyreek Hill is more of a gadget type player, and I think that McDaniel in Miami is definitely going to utilize that, get him a lot of fantasy work. But uh, how can you bet against Tay Adams? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's actually going to be very interesting to kind of monitor from both a fantasy perspective and just a football perspective is like, is Tyreek Hill completely just a product of Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes? Like a lot of those touchdowns that, you know, he had the huge bulk plays more than just about anyone, those over the top that just run past guys. Is that something that so much of his load was coming from these plays that just don't exist in other offenses? You know, um, I think Devontae Adams pairs well in just a more normal offense 
yeah, he doesn't have maybe the most accurate, best throwing quarterback um, in Aaron Rodgers, but uh, I think he's he's a better overall receiver. I also think um, he pairs very well with Hunter Renfro, um, kind of just tween guys that, uh, you know, up the seam, out in. Um, he could get more looks like that, Tyree Kill. It's kind of more, you know, get him either going over the top to him or get him a quick one, you know, a little mid-screen right to him. And neither of those two play like that, but they play well off each other. And, uh, yeah, I don't think you could say two is even close to Derek Carr in terms of, you know, getting the ball out. Yeah. I I mean, both guys are hurting in their new situations. I don't know. Well, different from from a fantasy perspective, but I think both of them – the fe- like Hunter Renfro is a really he's a better wide out than whatever Green Bay had to complement Adams and Jalen Waddle is better than Hunter Renfro like they're both they both have good wide outs on the other side so you could say that that's gonna uh take production from them but I think it you could look at it more so from like how the hell is a team gonna be able to guard all those guys you know what I mean if someone's gonna be open on on a lot of these plays that they're running if I guess if Tua can whip into shape and actually be decent. I Derek Carr shown he could be solid. So Devonta Adams, I think he's going to have a better year to answer that question, but I think they both have pretty uh, positive fantasy outlooks this year. So you know, I feel like it's tough because there's so many mouths to feed, at, feed on that Raiders offense. Now you got Waller, you got Renfro and Adams. Yeah. yeah w- Adams Waller's ne- good point. He never had to deal with that in green Bay. He was always, he's still the clear cut number one, but the number two was a way farther drop off than these two guys that they've got in Vegas. I, um, and that, Josh, that's the only Jacobs reason I think too. it hurts him. Yeah, yeah Jacobs and what's it called? It, I mean, Miami's got admins, but it's like, other than that, I mean, Gasicki's fine, but he's not as good as Waller. And what's it called? They're not, they're, they're not uh, exactly designing plays to get Selvan Ahmed the ball. So we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll see. <laughs> we'll uh, see. Uh, Raheem Mostert. I think they got Mostert down there too now. Yeah, they, they have like have seven Mostert. running backs or something. Yeah, yeah. they have a bunch. Yeah, Gaskin it's, too. It's one of the most like, one of the most bloated stables I've ever seen. And <laughs> normally, like Pat, Patrick Laird might might get like four <laughs> touches. It's um, yeah, what's his, nightmare? What's his ADP? Uh, <laughs> um, another thing, talking about you know, guys in new situations, obviously. Um, another one of the greatest quarterbacks we've seen fantasy or otherwise, Russell Wilson, um, Broncos country. Um, there's a lot of guys on that team that have talent and can put up numbers, but there's been just a lack of consistent quarterback play. Does a guy like Jerry Judy shoot up to, um, top 15, 20 receiver potential in for the fantasy season with Russ throwing to him, like he could easily be made him Cortland Sutton, um, whichever one he decides is his go-to um, whether it's conscious or not, you know, it always happens where it's, you know, third and eight, you gotta, you know, you gotta go to one of them. They both, you know, might be covered. You'll go to one. Um, I think you could see a Cortland Sutton or a Jerry Judy um, stay in the top 10, top 12 receivers in the league just with Russell Wilson at the helm. Yeah, it was interesting. It's interesting, too, because the Broncos did have um, – what's his – our favorite player, Tim Patrick, too. But he blew Tim out Patrick. His, yeah, Tutty T, but he blew out his knee, so he's out for the year. So they're thinking, obviously, 
from draft boards that Sutton and Judy are both going to be solid. But to make a point on Judy, he really hasn't like been that guy that everybody thought he was coming out of college. You know what I mean? There's been all these, a lot of time too. Yeah. He's been hurt too, but there's been all these Bama wideouts that have been, you've seen stuff from like, I mean, Devonte Smith has been solid. Like he was only a rookie last year, but he was good. Jalen Waddle is an absolute stud. Uh, who else? Like, I, I guess Ruggs was good, but he killed someone. So that's, <laughs> can't, can't say him, but it'll be interesting if Judy can actually assert himself to get into that conversation with like his teammate Waddle, you know what I mean? Or his former teammate, I should say. And yeah, some of those other guys. Tim Patrick going out definitely helps them in fantasy because that's just a one less mouth to feed. And they do have another stud KJ Hamler. He's a, he's a beast. He's got burners. He can get behind a, a defense. And Russ, you know, we've seen him support multiple receivers on fantasy in his career. Like the last couple of years, DK and Lockett have both been super solid fantasy guys. So I could see Judy and Sutton both finishing, you know, best case scenario in top 25, maybe even top 20 if they have a re- – I don't know how this new offensive system is going to be with their new head coach. That'll be a, That's a big question mark for them. Yeah, and I know we're getting a lot of the receivers now. I just like – doing a draft last night and really seeing the board shake out in the last couple of years is dude, even six, seven, eight years ago, the, the stable running, like the running back stables were, you know, few and far between like every fifth team would have their stable, but every team had their running back. And that has changed dramatically where, um, and in a, in, a PPR, you know, system in a PPR league, there's, um, you know, enough to go around where you have your, your guy that's getting 20 carries and your guy that might be getting, you know, six, seven catches. So it's still, it still works, but the like introduction of the kind of league wide stable, I mean, the, the bears are really one of the few teams that haven't had that to the extent of other teams since I since Cohen went down, they definitely were were working that where you just basically run a different offense based on what running back you have in the game, you know. So you have two or three different kind of flows going on based on you got your power back, you got your speed back, you got your receiving back. Um, so a guy that um, I was looking at yesterday on the board, uh, Melvin Gordon. So he's always been uh had a a nose for the goal line um i couldn't bring up the number now but uh top top 10 over the last five six years in terms of uh rushing touchdowns does this guy like that benefit from who might is rb2 at this point but a guy that they like getting it to him in you know short distance in goal line situations simply by basically getting Drew Locke the fuck out of there and you might have a an offense that can sustain itself a little bit. Like, is he worth a draft pick or are you just playing maybe, you know, whoever gets priority week two if he scores a couple? Like, those are the kind of guys that I'm interested to see, um, those like second fiddle running backs in offenses that might be better than they've been. I mean, he's definitely worth a draft pick. He, I, that situation is another one of the big uh, question marks of this fantasy season is whether Javante is going to really get that big of a load as some people are expecting. 
Like some people are super high on this kid and think yeah. he's going to be like a bell cow. But like you said, yeah, they do like using Gordon and a league has been moving towards this running back by committee. So I could see Melvin still being fantasy relevant, especially if Javante were to go miss some time with, with an injury. You've got a, a definite RB1 that you can plug in that's going to get a huge workload that week. So I think, yeah, he's definitely worth taking a stab at later in the drafts. Yeah, and I – yeah. What's it called? Um, well, yeah, the thing with – like just specifically Williams was – when he was in there, he was productive. I mean, 4.4 4. 4 yards of carry last year, so he was good. So that's why they're, I think they're thinking just that Gordon's going to be that guy, like that that savvy vet to spell him like when need be. But I would lean more so on the side of Williams being like that guy this year, per, like from – I guess from reports and whatnot. But that is an interesting point. It seems like all around the board, like I yesterday in our draft, I took Zeke and I'm thinking, I'm like, ah, but Pollard had a good year last year. Like, who knows? Maybe he takes and you can make like you have that internal thought about so many guys on the board now. You're like, ah, but like, or I guess Fournette kind of uh, stepped into his own, but like, ah, but what about Rojo or something like that? You know what I mean? Or like, just it's everywhere. Like, even. Rashad Penny's a big name this year for the Seahawks, but like ah, Kenneth Walker, like there's there's all these different guys everywhere, and that so that is a good point. That's like the big. That's been such a changing of the guard in fantasy. Like we're talking about Javante being you know flirting with you know in twelve team leagues he and in ten team leagues he's going at you know and he's the end of the first round a pick you know that is sitting around ten eleven twelve. 13 range um, on like the ADP and there was just back in the day, everyone, it was, you weren't thinking about anyone in that range. Oh, what about Melvin Gordon? But you know, Melvin Gordon might be grabbing touches. Like you think about a guy like, you know, a Jamal Charles or someone on Kansas city uh, you're not worried about Niall Davis, you know, not, not, you know, like poaching something or getting something from him because you know that, He's going to be Dexter, out there, uh, three down back. Yeah. Dexter McCluster. Yeah. 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 And you're not, those guys are, you know, that was the whole like, uh, what's, what's the, uh, what's it called? You grab the backup. I'm blanking on the H- handcuff. The handcuff. Right. Like you weren't really worried about, you know, that the handcuff was someone you picked up in case, you know, you weren't like really drafting the handcuff. And now handcuffs aren't really a, as much of a thing because the handcuff gets a load in and of itself. You know what I mean? It's not just, Oh, they'll get their volume. If this guy goes down now, so much of it is like, I'm looking at this board. I'm like, he's, these guys are here. They're going in the first round. They're going in the early second round. Um, That's part of the game changing. Um, Maybe that's because of the, you know, spread the spread offense has a lot to do with it where it's like you want these guys in on and off the field more um because you're going downfield more because you're throwing to running backs more um which talk speaking about throwing to a running back um a guy who i've considered i don't have the number one pick but i think could be a argue have an argument for the number one pick is Austin Eckler. Um, I know he's sitting around like probably two, three, four range. 
Um, but I think anyone in the top seven, eight, nine, anyone, wherever you are in the first round, if you're not going to get them in the second round, I really would not have a problem with you taking any of kind of the, you know, more unanimous top guys at any position in the first round, because it's like, well, you're just betting on them um, because if you don't draft them here, they're not going to be on your team. Um, keeping it in the AFC West, because I think this is going to be the most insane division of all time, most talented division of all time. Um, I think a guy like Eckler could easily, easily be RB1 um, when it's all said and done. I mean, there's going to be some shootouts in the AFC West. Yeah, I mean, I took him yesterday, fourth overall. He was my first pick. And it was tough. Like, the way our board shaped out, it was what? It was um, Taylor won. He's pretty unanimous, I think, just from what he's shown. But um, In the O-line. Then Cup, two, and then McCaff, three. I was hoping that Eckler would fall to me because I didn't really want McCaff. And just with what Eckler's proven in the last, what, three, four seasons, he's been the same guy. And and even last year, he came into his own as, as a pure running back, too. He was a beast. Like, that's pass catching aside. And so I was I was between him and, and Derrick Henry, really. But when it came to the PPR, I was – I was very happy with Eckler. He's going to be, it's already what projected like 20, like 20 points a game, kind of that range as, as are a lot of those guys. That's like the threshold. I feel like those first rounders and you see them immediately with like the, you know, week to week projections is the guys that are sitting at 20 every single week, no matter what the matchup is. Um, and obviously assuming, you know, we're kind of be going to be biased PPR um, because I think that's kind of the, um, tail of tape here but um it's gonna be hard for austin eckler to not get 20 points um you know if the if the chargers are running you know 70 80 offensive plays a game and justin herbert's at the helm he's gonna get his looks they're gonna be on the field a lot they're gonna be scoring and yeah again like a lot of these offenses they have so much talent so many mouths to feed but he's going to be that guy where the stable behind him isn't maybe as um, clear or as like definite where these guys are going to be getting as many touches um, as we are seeing on other teams, like, you know, Miami, where it's like, you don't really even have a number one. It's just kind of like this guy, we might give him a drive if he does well, keep him out there kind of like the Belichick method. But um, one of the things I like, I like to go in with, kind of a different strategy for a draft, not like, all right, I'm going to go running backs early and wait for the receivers, something like that this year. So last year, my, my strat going into it 100% was I wanted all these young bucks, like all these rookies, because they, assuming they stay healthy, they keep those guys. They want those guys to get as many touches, as many looks as possible in their first couple seasons. Right. So garbage time, you're not seeing them come off the field, you know, like uh, Devonte Smith doesn't matter how shit that Eagles offense was. Sometimes he's going to be out there, you know, cause he needs to see these defenses know what to do. Najee used a late second round pick last year, but it's like, he was maybe the biggest in terms of volume workhorse in the league last year. Uh, I think he got the most, percentage of the uh, workload out of any backfield in the league rookie, you know, never. 
So that was kind of what I was thinking along the lines of last year. This year, for obvious reasons, but I thought it might be an interesting thing, was take as many guys, while there's still value with them, take as many guys in the AFC West as possible because you're going to see so many shootouts where shootouts and games where Justin Herbert's going completely nuts. And so there's going to be a lot of uh, high scoring games and there's going to be a lot of garbage time coming out of those division game, divisional games Um, was interested to see if, and I know um, maybe the commish being that we haven't drafted yet um, for the, anyone that doesn't know Ray is the commish um, wears it with a badge of honor. Uh, I, Probably would say that you wouldn't want to give away your strat ahead of the season, but was there any kind of like outside the box um, things you were thinking about, maybe just like game script or things that were different about this season as opposed to others that you might have been keeping in consideration, like as maybe a, you know, way to go? Since this year, not, there's not really – I see, like, a clear-cut strategy. Like, I see – like, I like what you're saying. Like, you think that's going to be a high-scoring division. The strategy – I like going with the guy that is just – I value the most. doesn't matter what the division. Like, McCaffrey's on a shit team, on a shit offense. But I still think he should be the number one overall pick because he when he's on the field, he's a walking – That garbage time, garbage time McCaff is, like, yeah. one of – is all four horsemen, like – but the one strategy that I think would, is helpful for people like, to keep in mind that some people don't really, I don't know, think about when they draft is I'm really waiting back on a quarterback in this draft. I think it's really important to load your bench up with some, especially running backs, but running backs and receivers that you can plug in when these guys get hurt. And, I mean, the, top, the worst quarterback that you're going to get is like Tom Brady or Dak Prescott which are, yeah. is an amazing quarterback. Right, the variance so, is so so much lower in the position where even if you're streaming a guy every week, you're going to get 15 to, you know, 18 average while you're, you know, Josh Allen might score, you know, 23. So you get like maybe five, six-point window, which that's a lot bigger dropping from like, dude, once you get into the third round, you're like – wait, am I really going to take this fucking idiot? You know, this running back in the third round, like this guy, he, I don't think he's that good. And he's definitely not third round good. Um, but I did want to get into that, like in, assuming PPR um, where, you know, the running back, the pass catching running back is really king, right? That is um, like, you know, standard leagues with your quarterback, the six point touchdowns, um, you know, Josh Allen, probably number one player. Um, Aaron Rodgers of old have been number one guys. So how, and I guess you just answer this, Ray, but Mart, I'd be interested. Like we saw someone draft, uh, Josh Allen early in the fourth yesterday, um, with his fourth pick. Um, is it worth waiting back to get even a, another middle of the line running back? Even if you're going to risk getting kind of a, maybe a pod later where a quarterback you don't trust week in and week out? Well, that, that was the um, what I executed yesterday because what I my middle running back, I guess you would say that I ended up with was Zeke from like one of those middle round picks. And I guess 
he didn't have that great of a year last year, but he's still like RB one. But I guess I guess a guy like like you would say like taking like Travis Etienne there or something over Josh Allen. You know what I mean? Like some guy like Etienne hasn't done shit, and he's going in like the third round for no reason. But um, but to kind of piggyback off that, I. So what I was thinking yesterday, funny you mentioned Prescott. So that's who I took yesterday as my quarterback. I don't even know what round it was, maybe like eight or something. But I already had two guys on my bench. I took – I have Devontae Smith on my bench and uh, Stevenson from – Ramondre Stevenson from the Patriots. So I got a backup running back and then a fourth wide out. And Devontae's pretty good fourth wide out too. So just loading up on that. And then I took Prescott. And then what I did was – I went back to back quarterback. I took Prescott and Derek Carr to kind of um, what's it called? Just as like a security blanket, two solid quarterbacks. So I don't have Prescott and like Daniel Jones or something is my other option. So if just in case Dak's like not as good or something or he gets hurt or like I'm not fully banking on that late quarterback, like you're saying, was kind of that. That was what I was my mindset at least. But yeah, and I'm not sure how your league's rosters work. But I wouldn't even and, – and the the way that our league works, I wouldn't even recommend carrying a backup quarterback just because I think that roster spot is so valuable for a potential running back, maybe a receiver that you think is going to break out down the line. And because they are so streamable, like we were saying, there's a pretty low variance in points per game for these for these guys once you get to that range, that middle that middle to back tier quarterback. So, yeah, I would, I would even just – roster an extra running back that could break out right like like you are not in a position where you're thinking oh I'm gonna lose this week my guy's on by I have to stream Kirk Cousins you know that is not a situation where you're worrying about especially in comparison to you know if um I'm trying to think like if you know uh Javante Williams is out and you know, you don't even fucking know who this guy you picked up, you know, because you saw it on waivers and he was high on waivers. You got him and you might never even seen him play. But, you know, that drop off is so much, so much greater week in, week out than oh, I have to pick up, you know, Danny Dimes. And there's a decent possibility that, yeah, he's pretty, pretty fucking shit quarterback, but. He'd still give you a 16, 17, you know, he's running the ball, you know, falls forward accidentally for a score or something, you know, like those, those things don't happen as much if you're not rostering as many of those, that those guys that might have some, you know, kind of underneath value in the uh, running back wide receiver um, positions. Um, but yeah, I was thinking because I, I didn't mean to, I, Owen, our commission, the Southern League, he had turned down the um, the the pit clock, um, and so I wasn't really privy to that, and it kind of came on me, and I was like, all right, whatever, Kyler Murray, and um, I want to say the sixth or something like that, and like whatever, it's not gonna make or break me, I don't think. Um, it could, I guess, depending on who. Um, I would have grabbed. It wasn't like there was someone out. Oh shit! You know I missed him, but I do think it's it's worth keeping in mind that your worst option at quarterback is much better than your worst option at you know running back two or wide receiver two or your flex. 
week in, week out. Um, yeah, you don't you don't yeah. want to be combing the free agency for Boston Scott. Like if you're if you're in like a make or break week, that's that's when you know you're in trouble. Yeah, those are the ones that just like you're you know it's like eleven forty five on Sunday, and you're like you you're not even looking at your phone, just like clicking the you know like select with Boston because you have to play. You don't really have another option, but you're like fuck, and then and then you throw the game on for shits and gigs, and he's got two snaps, you know, but. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think probably Josh Allen is going to be the guy that goes first in most cases, but another thing I wanted to talk about with that last night, just seeing it is a lot of times the market is set during a draft. Like people will adapt to someone, someone else taking a quarterback early and think that maybe I should, you know, take my guy sooner you know like when you have a guy take a quarterback early might give you that idea or plant that seed where oh are they going to start going it's kind of like when guys finally just start to like take the first that one guy that one dickhead who takes the you know the top defense you know around early and then everyone just starts like spamming defenses and it kind of like changes the entire um it could like turn around where it's like you know what i'm just gonna i'm gonna take my homes here you know but um, that, that'll be interesting to see, um, with, you know, your drafts going forward. I know probably close to 70, 80% of leagues are drafting in the next, uh, next week. Um, but the other big thing, and I kind of touched on it earlier with what I did last year, um, with all the young bloods, um, the rookies, because that's where I think those are where leagues are won and lost a lot because you don't have any body of work for a lot of guys that are diehard fantasy guys. You know, they get up for fantasy. That's why they, that's why they walk. That's why they talk waiting for fantasy football season who might not be too, um, you know, inclined into college football. So they might not, you know, know or have watched some of these high valued rookies. So they might drop a little bit. Do you guys have a rookie that you think um, could be a game breaker for uh, for you know maybe a later round um, later on pick this year? Um, I mean, the rookie that comes to mind for me isn't really that later of a pick, but I think it could be a make or break because of his potential upside, and that's Brees Hall. And I know you probably a lot of people who have done mock drafts have have seen him go pretty early. Uh, I think that if he takes over that backfield, he could be like a huge fantasy asset for someone's team, especially if he is able to hold on to RB1 for them. I'm not sure exactly how that situation is with Michael Carter. I know that they were liking him last year, but if they give him, if he gets a potential bell cow role, bell cow role, he could, he could be very fantasy relevant and possibly make or break a team. That's interesting too, because I, uh, in my opinion, I think the Jets are going to be pretty good this year. Like, they're not going to suck, at least. So that means you would think the offense is going to be better. So whoever wins out – I think Michael Carter is actually decent too. So I guess whoever wins out that battle will be solid. But I think my guy is – I'm sticking running back too. It's Brian Robinson. Like, there's reports out of camp that he already beat out Antonio Gibson, which is crazy. But – so if he, I mean, he was a beast at Alabama too, just another one of those guys, you know, a 
Um, but how if do they he, somehow like, have three fucking rookie running backs every single year? Who every the, single uh, year, the Commanders? You're saying? No, the no Alabama. It seems like there's yeah. three rookie backs coming out of Bama every year. But yeah, it is. I it is going to be like that. Who's who's the running back this year? I don't even know. Ooh. On Bama. On on Alabama, I'm saying. Robinson. No, he's on uh what's it called? The Commanders. He's saying who's the who's Alabama's running back this year. Yeah, if is if it's gonna be another uh what's it called guy, just another pro. I'm sure it will be. Yeah, but, uh, over there. But yeah, no, I think Robinson's gonna have a great season, honestly. If he like cause we show him what he can do and Antonio Antonio Gibson show him what he can do in that offense. So if he takes his role, you know what I mean, it'll be interesting. But yeah, it 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 might be leaning towards a committee type of thing. But for where Robinson's getting drafted, he's definitely worth a late round flyer. Yeah. Um, so the guy that I was thinking actually might go a little earlier um, yesterday in my first draft of the season, um, just because he he has been pretty far and away in terms of skill position guy. Um, seems like there's always that one guy that's kind of making, making news for doing, you know, whatever, like crazy workout, but like DK, you know, is the picture of DK flexing and everyone's like, holy fucking shit. This guy's the, he's just an absolute specimen. Never seen anything like it. Like those kind of things float around during the off season when there's just the new cycle is so slow for the NFL. Um, that guy to me this year um has been george pickens clearly like he's become that meme of him has become huge like nfl young boy like this entire persona that they've kind of built for him without playing an nfl game um he's one of these guys that i just really loved in in college thought the world of him uh last couple years at georgia spent a missed a lot of time which could be concerning um uh in terms of you know if you're wondering about um, you know, staying on the field or, you know, injury proneness, whatever, uh, did miss some time at Georgia, but when he was on the field, he was always one of the best players out there, most skilled, fast, great route runner, incredible hands. Um, I think the only reason keeping him down there is the daunting idea that Mitch Trubisky is going to be throwing him footballs. Um, but it looks like Kenny is kind of, maybe taking control of that room a little bit. Um, I think for morale, a lot of times with a guy that um, has been in the league and isn't the rookie uh, teams will want to give him the benefit of the doubt first and say, you know, the guy we brought in is going to be our guy. Even it's like, I mean, we kind of did that with Mike Glennon, honestly, Uh, when we had Mitch, we signed him to a fucking deal. The guy had never been good ever. And we're like, all right, he's going to be the guy. Mitch is going to sit behind him. And then it's like, cut this shit, put in fucking Mitch. Like this guy is a complete and utter joke. Uh, I think it'll, you'll see, I think, I think you'll see a lot of the connection between Kenny and uh, George Pickens this year. Um, I think his stock is, his stock is, what was that? The Bears could have had him, man. Man. Everyone, we screwed ourselves. Everyone. And we have that, we have that Georgia connection too. Like we've been, we love taking guys from Georgia in over the last four or five years. It works for a lot of teams. Uh, we pass on, you know, a potentially game-breaking wide receiver 
And then, you know, cut Daz Newsome a couple months later, two weeks into camp. Like, it is what it is. But I thought, I thought Daz Newsome, yeah. I thought Daz Newsome was going to win OPOY this year. So <laughs> I, I already, I already lost my future on that. <laughs> he is so bad. He was terrible. Like, <laughs> apparently, uh, apparently he muffed like four punts or something in, in like the in camp. Or I don't I even watched know. like five minutes of the Bears' first preseason game. He's back there. I'm like, oh, it's the UNC kid. Let's see what he's got. Punt it to him, muff, <laughs> muffs it, picks it up, runs back 10 yards, gets knocked down, almost loses it when he gets tackled again. Um, and I go, that, and the Bears, of course, got a uh, holding penalty on the return. <laughs> Somehow, some somehow you can still hold the guy when you lose 20 yards of field position on a return. Um, I'm like, yeah, this guy is just typical. Wouldn't have a roster spot on any team in the league except maybe the Bears. Um, but another guy I looked at outside of Pickens, um, Kenneth Walker in Seattle. I think that offense is going to be decently run heavy. Um, I think they're going to want to run the ball and kind of establish that and slow games down. Um, so I think a guy like Kenneth Walker might find himself in a position where he's on the field for a lot of drives and, you know, they have a committee, but, um, you know, he had a breakout year last year. Looks like he's kind of got all the tools except was not really a pass catching back at, uh, in Lansing, um, really at all. So we'll have to see if, if that's something he can, you know, get acclimated to another guy. Like, I think a lot of these guys that come out, from offenses like that have really never been asked to catch the ball because if they're going to run it, they're going to run it. And if they're going to pass it, they're getting it downfield. So another guy like Travis Etienne, that stock could fly off the roof. If you know, they start kind of getting involved in the passing game, he does not have great hands, but you know, when guys are dumping it to you, you really just got to figure it out, you know? Yeah. I think Kenneth Walker could be a, a good pick depending on where you get him. But I don't want anything to do with that Seattle offense, fantasy wise. I, I I will be drafting DK Lockett, Walker, all those guys well below their ADPs. I just I just don't want to invest in a team that I think could be one of the worst teams in football this year. Honestly, they they play in a very tough division, very tough defenses in that division. I just uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to have many good fantasy players in that offense it's interesting because what's it called Rashad Penny last year was like the best running back in fantasy in like the last six weeks of the year or something like he was ripping off like 25 point games like every week and so I think coming into this year I mean Rashad Penny hasn't been healthy in five years and then he got healthy for a six game stretch and was amazing was very good DJ process revenge year yeah he's but he's that type of player too like so I think coming into camp, the fact that you haven't seen Rashad Penny limps off field yet, like, so I think Seattle probably wants to see what they have in him. And if he can continue what he did, I mean, it's not, I guess, no Ross, but it's the same same system that Carroll has him in. And it's not like Russ was, I mean, Drew Locke can hand the ball off, at least I hope so. But it'll be interesting. And also, what's it called? Walker, he, didn't he have a hernia or something? He's like out for yeah. a little bit, yeah. At least the first, first like two weeks or something. So that, that could be a critical two, three week period for if Penny actually can establish himself, then Walker might be on the outside looking in this season. I think a lot of the value lies in that, um, 
you virtually never see a team draft and stash a running back. Like teams want to get those like fresh legs onto the field as soon as possible. If you're going to spend a pick, you know, on a running back and bring in a running back um, because they're so um, expendable in so many spots. um, It's like, we want to see what we've gotten the kid. Um, And that is the big question that happened, you know, with Seattle, the bears where, and this happened to me a couple of years ago uh, where David Johnson was, you know, ADP around four, five, six. I was kind of stuck in a spot where I'm like, I don't really want him. He's coming off that, you know, wrist injury, whatever the fuck kept him out for a year. But um, I kind of feel like I got to take him here. That Cardinals offense was historically bad to where, you know, you're getting into, you know, late into the second quarter. It's almost halftime, you know, around 130 uh, during on game day. And he's got 0.7 points. And because they've run like eight plays, you know, they have eight, nine plays on offense. So um, you want guys that are, that are going to get looks. If your offense can't stay on the field, that's just, you can't get the ball if you're not, if your team's not on the field. So um, I think those kind of things go against each other, but I do think um, to just speak on the, the value of maybe going with, a rookie over a guy that you know what you're going to get with them uh, skill-wise. Obviously, you'll never know how they'll use him in the offense when push comes to shove, but taking a taking a rookie over, I don't know, a – trying to think of someone here that's just completely, you know, replacement player, but uh, whatever. Taking that rookie that they're going to want to see what they got in him, get him touches – see, you know, if he's worth it. If not, you always have Richard Piney for four weeks before he, you know, tears his meniscus. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, next thing I wanted to, to kind of talk about was the hierarchy, the tight end hierarchy. Tight end is such an interesting position in fantasy. At least it's become that way based on um, just the personnel. Uh, there's that big three or maybe you give it that Mount Rushmore and then just such an insane fall off to where if you, if you get some value in a tight end that you didn't have to take very high because there's guys that come out like the Dalton Schultz last year or the Austin Hooper from a couple of years ago where you can just kind of, you know, pick up and they become an everyday, you know, 15, 20 point guy a week. Um, you think any of these young, um, young tight ends could maybe join the Andrews, the Kelsey's, the Kittles of the world this year in the offense they're in. Yeah. I definitely think one specific guy can and will, and most people are probably thinking that and this, and that's Kyle Pitts. He is most likely going to be the number one receiving option in that offense, depending if Drake, Drake London is a beast or not, which he probably will be, but still not as good as Kyle Pitts. So he'll probably come close to leading the team in in targets, I would expect. And for a tight end, that's just – that's like a fantasy dream. Like that's a match made in heaven for a fantasy player. So if you can get – that, that's going to be a similar situation with Kelsey. He's probably going to be the number one target in that offense. And that's a guy you need to have on your roster. And I would say the same with Kyle Pitts. He could easily be in the top three this year. Yeah, I think – like I had – I drafted Pitts last year. Um, 
just because he's such a unicorn, um, his draft profile, everything about him was like, hey, uh, you're basically getting to play a receiver at tight end, which in fantasy is pretty valuable. Um, just in ter- kind of thinking about it in a more uh, bureaucratic way. But um, the big thing for him was he couldn't get in the end zone last year. I think he only scored one, maybe two touchdowns. Um, I think it was one, yeah. I think you. I think he ended with one. So uh, a lot of the year, I ended up going with Dirty D, Dalton Schultz, who was who was fantastic for me. But um, obviously, it's there. Um, we'll see what uh, Mariota can do with or uh, what they can do in Atlanta in terms of staying on the field. That was another offense that struggled to just, you know, if Kyle Pitts wasn't getting, you know, the ball early. Um, you know, you're not going to see a lot of bulk just because they're not completing a lot of passes. Um, So I do like that this year. Another guy who I think could benefit from the guys that have been brought in around him, um, Mike Kosicki. Mike Kosicki is a freak, first of all, athletic freak. A lot of the tight ends are, I mean, Pitts included, Kittle. A lot of these tight ends are, you know, they're, I've heard this before. It was that they're the uh, weakest of the big guys, and the um, slowest of the fast guys. And they, they were kind of saying that is like a handicap for him. But I was like, well, that's one way. The other way to think about it is you're the biggest of the fast guys and the fastest of the big guys, you know. So um, it kind of works both ways. I think he, with a guy like Tyreek Hill thrown on the outside, who's going to be taking defenses with him. Uh, I think the middle of the field is going to, is going to be wide open for him to start getting a lot of looks um, in that, in that Dolphins offense. It's also uh, the kind of, the kind of spots that two is going to want to use to get, you know, himself into the game because he's not exactly the most comfortable. He, you know, pushing the ball downfield, those quick hitters were uh, you know, there might be, there might be help on Ty Hill, opens up, you know, at the numbers to Gesicki. I think he could get a lot of volume this year. Um, he he would be my guy. I do like Pitts, though. I think there's just innate value with having a guy that athletic who's going to be playing, you know, outside the numbers that much. Yeah, and then I would say just lastly, my my sleeper tight end, I actually have Pitts, so I'm, I, I love Pitts this year, too. So piggyback on Ray, but I think who could – I guess not break out because he's been in the league for a while, but is Goddard. I think Goddard might take that step forward to get up to like that Mark Andrews range or something or something similar, I guess. But I, I just saw a report that he's like, he's leading all pass catchers out of camp. So that's with AJ Brown and um, Devonte Smith in like lined up next to him. So, and that's invaluable as a quarterback. If Jalen hurts, sees Goddard as his security blanket, then he's that that's the guy he's going to go to. You know what I mean? So I think Goddard might see a big increase in production and just value. So if you can, depending on how your drafts shake out for everybody's listening, I would key in on Goddard. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's so many of those guys that it, there's so much upside to them. There's like very little saturation in the NFL and like, consistent tight end you know fantasy value um i mean you see how high like um kelsey's going in the first round last year uh kittle's going in the second round and mark andrews you 
can't ignore what he's done. Like the numbers he put up, he's been Lamar's number one receiver by a million since he's been uh, in Baltimore. Um, but I think this could be the year that there's a lot of these, um, a lot of these guys that haven't had that, you know, elite fantasy status um, in terms of numbers or bulk kind of joining in where you have more of a top 10 and not the top three. Um, I wish I could say that about Cole Komet, um, that he's going to establish himself. I wish he would, but um, he's literally shown me nothing in, in two seasons, two full seasons to, to give me any hope. I like Goddard. I like Pitts. Um, I'm going with Kasiki. Um, any other, uh, before we wrap this up, and um, we'll be back post uh, post a lot of drafts. We could kind of do, you know, talk about where the where all these guys ended up landing. Um, talk about some teams, some building. But uh, any other sleepers? Uh, I know no one wants to give away too much before they've drafted. But uh, anyone to watch maybe going into uh, going into start the season. I think another good tight end to keep an eye on is Dalton Schultz. Going to be in a high-powered offense that lost a really big target in Amari Cooper, so I think he's going to have to step up in that offense that throws the ball a lot. So I could see him for where he's getting drafted. I could see him being really good value for fantasy. And yeah, one last point I I would just say is that just for people that uh, pay attention to how these camp battles shake out in the next week and these last preseason, keep an eye on reports because they're still battles going on for starting spots and stuff. So you never know how any of them are going to shake out. And it's what, how, how many, what, two weeks till kickoff first game? But two weeks from tomorrow. Yeah. 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 So just, I mean, there's still, there's still some time for somebody to win some spots. They're all going to be practicing like hell until um, then. So you might be able to get some value if you know that this guy is looking better than this guy. So keep an eye out yeah i like them all um definitely definitely gonna have to keep an eye on what these roster constructions are looking like because um so many changes are made just ahead of the deadlines when you have to have them set um last week there's going to be a lot of cuts i know um i know the bears are going to be making a ton of cuts um close to about like 20% 20% of the guys that have been out there. And I know that's true with a lot of these teams. Um, also guys that out of necessity are going to get signed. Uh, NFL is, you know, we see it every year with guys that weren't on a, weren't on a team. They get signed, they get brought in and they get some touches, you know, and then that becomes. Odell, Odell is still a free agent. Yeah. Right. But you, you know, he's going somewhere. Um, but. Right. Like he'll be somewhere and they'll want to get him the ball. And that's kind of how these things shake out. So we'll keep an eye out. Um, best of luck to everyone in their fantasy drafts. Um, love to see uh, how they shake out. Let us see your, uh, your grades, best grades, worst grades. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll get back to you ahead of the start of week one, the Thursday night kickoff. Your samples Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking. Get off.